Hello and welcome to the Motivation Method podcast with me, Rob Burkhead, co-founder of Trinity Transformation, and you can join our Trinity Lifestyle Plan at trinitytransformation.co.uk. Today's episode is a little bit different as today I am talking to the wonderful Angela Cox. Angela is a hugely inspirational woman who, after 30 years of struggling with food and her weight, has now lost over eight and a half stone and kept it off for well over two years now, and there's no stopping her on her journey. Angela has just released her first book, Enough, which is already an Amazon bestseller, and today we'll be talking about her journey from binge eating and yo-yo dieting to finally feeling happy, confident, and enough. So sit back and relax, and welcome to today's Motivation Method podcast. Okay, so I'm here with Angela Cox, who's at the time you'll be listening to this, her new book will be out. So hi, Angela. Hi, all. how are you? I'm really good. Thanks. Excited to, to hear about the other side of your lean journey. Yes. It's been a while, hasn't it, since our last one? I think it was January, months. was it? Yeah. I was trying to figure it out earlier. Yeah, quite a lot's happened since then. And the book is out. Um, it's exciting and daunting at the same time, but um, I'm kind of... I think I'm proud of myself is the way that I would describe it. The fact that I've actually finished something because um, I'm so not a finisher in yeah. anything that I do. So I usually get to about 80% of the way through something and then I'm like on to the next thing. So the fact that I've actually completed the book and gone through all of the processes that you need to do to get it published is a bit of a miracle. And, yeah, I'm um, impressed. I've I've tried to write a book for our, <laughs> uh, for our Trinity stuff and... So far, I'm not. I get a little bit in and then I'm like, now I've changed my mind about this. And I, go, <laughs> I guess if you're writing about your own story, it, it can't really... It yeah, can't it change. is easier. It is easier to write about yourself. But I think the, the writing part of it is the easy bit. And then the, oh, the okay. boring bit is all of the processes that you need to get through to uh, have it edited and yeah. rewritten and rewriting things is like just rubbish yeah. um, and then actually get it up onto Amazon and get it in print is uh is hard work but worth it because it's now out for people to read so yeah I'm excited to read it thank you so last time we talked about what we're going to call or what you call your lean journey right yes yes so this big was... girl's journey to lean yeah. yeah I'm not sure what the official term is is it big girl's journey to lean now? <laughs> that's it that's okay. what I call it big girl's journey to lean so this was Starting with the body coach in 2016 or 2015? Yes, 2016. Yeah. 2016. See, I'm remembering. I know, well done. January 2016, <laughs> I started, yeah. And from your heaviest to your lightest, was it eight and a half stone? Yes, you yeah. Lost? Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and you, you contributed to some of that, obviously. Yeah. So starting with the body coach, <laughs> what came next was... Was Trinity. Was Trinity yeah. next. Yeah, and then um, did a little bit with Sustain and then been on my own really since then, so... I saw you doing some of my workouts the other day. I am, yes. Yeah, I like to... Um, I'm doing kettlebell training at the moment for a pentathlon, but I'm, oh, yeah. I'm peppering that with your push and pull workouts from the black box, um, which made a huge difference to my strength when I did the actual program. Yeah. Um, and because they're all over workouts as well, it's, you know, a really good use of time. So, yeah, I'm enjoying those again. Yeah, those are people's favourites. We've brought them back, actually, I bet, in the yeah. app. Because we, we tried to move to more, we tried to integrate cardio into workouts and sort of more circuity style training as well. And yes. people kind of found, I think you found this at the start of your journey, things that are a bit more closely related to hit and jumping around and things, not necessarily good for your 
joints and your body especially if you've got more weight to lose it kind of just hurts your body so really easy to get injured as well you've got to be really careful yeah so I think we've found it's helping people's results better to go back to pure weights workouts and yes and rowing I find yeah so you did rowing hits yeah rowing is really good if you're if you're bigger um because there's no impact on the joints but it really gets the heart rate up so and it's hard work. Yeah, <laughs> it you makes can't, you sweat. You can't coast like cycling, can you? That's no, what I find. No, you've got to really go for it, haven't you, with rowing. So I'd recommend yeah, that. Yeah, the rowing machine gets me every time. Yeah, it's evil. It's my legs. <laughs> so shall we rewind then? So last time we started in yes. January 2016. Yeah. So what do you call your bigger journey? Do you have a name for that as well? My bigger journey? Or is journey, it just your life? <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just the life. I mean, I've called the book enough. Um, and there's lots of different elements to that word, I suppose, in terms of, you know, enough is enough. Um, I've had enough. And then more recently, trying to believe that I am enough. Um, so there's the, the book itself takes you through a number of different periods of my life. So I've split it up into four parts. The first part is how I became the big girl, which we'll go into in a bit more detail. And essentially it it talks about the challenges and the traumas that I had in early childhood which manifested themselves in this terrible relationship with food um, that I had really up until my late 30s so part one is all about that and then part two is the bit we covered last time which is that journey to lean and and all of the things I did with the body coach and with you and um, with the social media groups and all of that good stuff and the tummy tuck, of yeah. course, um, which I describe in detail. Um, part three then is the motivation method that I've written That's to funny because that's the name of our podcast. Is it? Yeah. Of course it is. <laughs> there we go. Um, yes, motivation method, manual, whatever you want to call it. Um which is kind of a series of tools and techniques that will help men and women to replicate the things that I've done. Um, And then the final part, the epilogue, was unexpected. I didn't expect to write it, but essentially that talks about the things that happened from October last year to now. And in October last year, I had a shock that took me back to the age of nine years old. Um, and and threatened to undo all of the great work that I'd done in the last two years. And I talk about how that manifested itself and how I then sought help to actually really understand the traumas of my childhood and how I needed to heal from those in order to be able to move forward properly and believe that I am enough. It's a really awesome journey. Yeah, so that's the book in a nutshell. And I think you wanted to talk today about kind of rolling back to that part one bit, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, we're going to go into quite a deep topic, but I think it's an important one because I was was saying to Angela before we started this, we work with lots of of different women um, and lots of them have faced some sort of life event or trauma, whatever you want to call it, that they've not really had the opportunity to to face properly or to mm. to process and I was saying to Andrew we all have something probably yes. that we're carrying with us like this baggage and I like to talk about it like this iceberg so everyone knows they've heard about the tip of the iceberg which is the bit that's protruding above the water and most of us like to spend our life trying to chip away at the iceberg the tip of the iceberg mm. but not really because it's unpleasant we don't really want to deal with the massive sort of mountain-sized massive ice below the surface which mm. 
is all the the baggage from our past and things like that can i find can just kind of no matter how well you do or what you achieve or what you try and achieve they keep bringing you back down to that level and mm-hmm. causing self-sabotage get stuck or just not like yourself which like you said in the book totally. is, it's all about being enough so how about we we rewind then so if you enlighten us a bit about your yes the yeah, start of your childhood definitely. then i guess if we you know if we just focus on that analogy you've just used for a minute i think the thing that i've come to understand is throughout my life the water level has dipped from time to time and starts to kind of show some of the stuff that sits below the surface and and when it shows up you try and deal with it and I've tried to deal with it on many of occasion unsuccessfully because I've not done it with experts help and Mm. then the water level rises again and it all gets hidden away again and you carry on chipping away at the top bit of the iceberg which in my case was I'll go on another diet because the thing that I'm trying to fix is the fact that I'm fat but actually the thing that I'm trying to fix is the fact that I've I've had this trauma that's happened in my life that I've never dealt with and therefore it's manifested in a in a way that I binge eat or I overeat or I starve myself or you know I have this horrendous relationship with food and and that's the bit that I try to fix all the time yeah rather than the, the symptom rather than the, this, the cause. these traumas so if we talk about the, the traumas um you know I guess the thing I would say about this is that people will have had different traumas of you, as you said, in their life at different times and at different levels of severity. But regardless of the level of severity, everybody's trauma is is traumatic to them. So it doesn't matter if it's, you know, something that another person would find completely horrific or something that another person might find something that they can deal with if it's happened to you it's happened to you and the way that you respond to it is the important thing yeah so you know if, if i look at it through through my own lens um i was six years old the first time that i was molested by an adult in my family who was certainly old enough to know better he was probably in his 40s or 50s at that point um that that episode which happened probably seven or eight times at the age of six um, was completely buried in my mind until very recently when therapy has helped me to uncover the fragments of that um, bizarrely Um, but that that kind of prepared me if you like for another episode of of sexual abuse that happened when I was nine at the hands of a different adult Um, outside of my family and that period of abuse went on from 9 to 13 Um, and for whatever reason that period of abuse remained in the forefront of my mind all the way through my teenage years and adult years whereas the the thing that happened age six had been completely buried and then there was another period of abuse in my early teens Um, which actually was at the hands of a woman, um, which you can imagine becomes completely confusing um, when you're a teenager. So you're dealing with the fact that it's happening with a man, an older man in the family. You're dealing with the fact that it's happening with a woman. um, And you've buried the one that happened when you were six years old. But 
essentially the first time it ever happened age nine my immediate response to that was to binge eat on chocolate and I I talk about this in the book the, the first time it ever happened and then that started to kind of become the coping mechanism for the shame that I felt because when you're nine years old and this is happening to you you've got no understanding of why you you can't grasp the fact you know that it's wrong but you feel like you can't tell anybody so it becomes a secret and there is just this almighty mass of shame that wraps around it and and my way of coping was to use food as a way of kind of numbing the sensations that that were surrounded by it and therefore I continue to do that and continue to do that throughout my childhood um, and throughout my early teenage years and became so manipulative around it as well in the way that I would hide it and the way that I would plan to binge eat and where I would get the food from and where I would hide it and where I would save it up until a point during the day where I knew I'd be on my own and and I'd be able to eat it all and just how how much of an escape that was from the reality of what was happening um but of course you can't hide it because if you are consuming that much food and you haven't got an understanding of how to create a calorie deficit or yeah. how to exercise to you know to to try and burn some additional calories all you're doing is consuming additional calories and of course the weight starts going on so at a time where you're starting secondary school and you really don't want to be the big person in the class. You are the big person in the class because you're eating way too much. So you're then faced with these challenges of, you know, a normal school uniform not fitting you and you have to have it specially made or, you know, not being able to take part in rock climbing activities because you're afraid of what you're going to look like and, and, you know, all of these opportunities as a teenager that I missed because I was scared of doing things in, in the way that other people could. And then you find sneaky ways of trying to control the amount of food that you're taking in. So, you know, as a teenager, you have access to all these teenage magazines, which have problem pages in them. And I read once about the use of salt water being used as a way to make yourself sick. And I'd really tried to make myself sick using pens, putting pens down my throat, using my fingers, loads of different ways and had failed miserably every time. So this salt water was like the answer to my prayers, you know, age 13, 14. Start using that as a mechanism to make myself sick and therefore start to control my weight still binging but then expelling the food and having no clarity or no idea around the fact that this was the start of an eating disorder um I just had no idea I had no idea of the dangers surrounding with using salt water but for me it was a savior that I just continued to use and then that replaced itself with laxatives um replaced itself with starving for days and days and days and I just literally went through my teenage years and early 20s doing all of this crazy stuff in order to to try and hide the fact that 
I was binge eating. And the reason I was binge eating was because all of these things happened to me as a child and as an early teenager that I had no way of processing and no way of understanding. And actually, when throughout my life, in that, that guise where, you know, I went to see a therapist in my 20s. I had a bit of a breakdown about the abuse and sought help through an NHS therapist and went to see him. And I was so ashamed of the fact that I was binge eating and using all these methods to try and control my weight. That I didn't tell him about any of that. And every day we focused on the abuse, the abuse, the abuse. And and I just failed to tell him all the other stuff because I was thinking, well, what's he going to think of me? Mm. You know, what's he going to think of the fact that I eat 25 chocolate bars in one go? And so I went to therapy for 12 months and never dealt with the stuff that really sat below the iceberg because I'd only told him one aspect of it. Yeah. Um, so that was useless. So nothing changed? Nothing. You didn't deal with that? Nothing at all. I just carried on. Um and there were moments in life when it changed because, you know, I, I'd go on a diet successfully and I'd lose some weight and they'd be great. But even a period where I was at Slimming World in my 20s where I'd lost a lot of weight, I lost about six stone on Slimming World. But in the book, when I talk about that period and you'll listen or you'll read the things that I did to get to that loss of six stone, mm. I wasn't following Slimming World properly you know, I was using laxatives, I was starving for days, I was binging on some days. It was just this relentlessly destructive way of working that I'd just become conditioned to. Um, and I guess when I found the body coach, it was so different to anything I'd done before. And, and being able to eat that amount of food was, was almost perfect for me as a binge eater because you know, you're sitting there and it, all right, it might be spinach and, you know, chicken, which yeah. you probably wouldn't choose to eat as a binge eater. But there was so much of it that by the time you consumed that meal, you didn't have space for anything else. Mm. Um, and because it was coupled with the exercise, which of course produces all these endorphins. Yeah, you start feeling better about you yourself. You absolutely do. And it becomes this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. And, and You start feeling in control, I guess, as well. Yeah, totally. And and I got to a point where I was like nine months in saying, I've not done any binge eating for nine months. It was like a miracle. Yeah. And of course, I'm telling people about the journey, but I'm not telling people about the binge eating bit because I'm still ashamed of that. Yeah. Um, or was at that point and then literally in October last year I got a phone call so I'm at work this is what the epilogue of the book is about I'm at work and a phone call comes from the person that had abused me age nine so I haven't heard from this person for probably 10 years and it was literally like a bolt from the blue. And the first thing I wanted to do was go and binge. So for someone who'd gone for 20 months at that point without binge eating and felt completely in control and, and completely like I was overcoming the demons, for that moment to happen was just devastating. And it took me two days of fighting this, this desire to binge eat before I gave into it and I did give into it and I went and I got this box of cakes and I ate all of the cakes 
like really quickly, not tasting them exactly as I always had. And then sat there and straight away felt this shame mm. feeling of, oh my God, you know, I can't believe I'm back here. And I went home and the first thing I did was put a post on the page. And then I told my husband about it, which I'd never done before because a binge eater never tells anyone that that's no, what they do. anyone holding on to shame doesn't want to admit no anything. It's like the worst thing ever. But actually that was the best thing I could have done in mm. those circumstances because blowing the secrecy out of it takes the power out of it totally it? yeah totally it's like yeah stuff you binge eating <laughs> and um and stuff you miss meddler who is the voice that sits in my head who tells me to go and do this stuff um but it didn't stop you know I'd, I'd blown it out and the secrecy had gone but the the urge didn't stop and it, it took probably a week and a half of continuing to binge eat before I got to the point where I was like, no, 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 I cannot go back mm. to where I've been. I've come too far this time. I'm not going back. So at that point I sought help and went to see the doctor and said, look, I'm on this journey. I've come this far. This has happened. It's, it's really told me that I need to deal with the stuff that's happened in my past in order to be able to move forward. And I got in touch with this amazing psychologist, which again, you know what, as a career woman and a mum and, you know, this person that everyone or a lot of people are looking to, to say, you're amazing. I'm being told every day I'm amazing to sit there and say, I've got a mental illness and I need to go and see a psychologist is a huge thing to have to admit to yourself and others. And I sat in this lady's office and she said tell me tell me what's going on i'm going i can't stop binge eating i can't possibly go back there i've been you know been there all my life and the last 20 months i've been brilliant and i can't go back and she went so what's causing it and i went oh this this thing about abuse when i was a kid but that's not the problem that's not the problem we need to solve and she was like okay tell me a bit more then about the binge eating so we talked about the binge eating for about three weeks and on the fourth week I went back and she went so let's talk about the abuse and I was like no 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 it's fine she's like no 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 she said abuse isn't normal and you're normalizing it so let's actually talk about it and literally it was like opening the floodgates mm. you know just I would sit in tears week after week after week saying this stuff I'd come home have a flashback to stuff that I'd forgotten um, or that I'd buried and just week after week it came out and came out and came out to the point where it was like okay everything's on the table now this is all the stuff that I've got to deal with how do I put all of this back in the box and rather than cram the lid on the box like I have for the last 38 years 40 years now how do I put the stuff back in the box and just place the lid on so that sometimes I can take the lid off if I need to have a little look rather than cramming it on so that it can blow off like yeah. it has done this time. Or like the beach ball toilet yes. truck. Have you heard that beach ball yes. analogy? So for people listening who haven't heard it, it's like in the swimming pool and you're trying to put a beach or even a football, hold the football under, under the, water, the water and then it, you can't control it. You know, eventually it's going to pop up and yeah. cause a splash. Totally. So and the and same that's, thing. that's exactly it. So it's this thing around, you know, whether you're closing the door on a cupboard and locking it 
you just want to be able to keep it unlocked you just want to be able to keep that lid loose so that you know that everything in there is never going to go away mm. you know i'm never going to get to the point where i'm 80 years old and i've never been abused because i have but i've been abused and i know how i'm dealing with it and it's all good and i think through through these months of therapy that i've had i've recognized that you know it wasn't my fault which is a big thing i've recognized that it has been the cause of eating disorders i've recognized that i have got eating disorders which i've never really been diagnosed before i've recognized that i've got post traumatic stress disorder which is a mental illness and that that's okay you know in the same way that it's okay if you've got a cold or it's okay if you've got cancer it's not okay if you've got cancer that's a really bad thing to say angela but you you get what i'm saying and mental illness is the same as somebody having a physical illness and we shouldn't be ashamed of it and i'm certainly not ashamed of it and i think just being able to put yourself in that mindset that these things are okay and that they all have a reason and that if you can deal with that reason you can start to move forward and it's not um, tying those things to who you are it's not saying i have this so therefore i'm weak or i have this exactly and therefore because you're obviously really respected you have loads of people following you who are inspired by you want to be like you probably because that's why people follow people yeah and but even then you're still human inside yourself you still feel the normal things right so you still feel the the shame that initially that you're going to get when you hear okay you have this or you have this there's always going to be a bit of that or I'm different or all these stories but you're slowly now working through them and I guess so how has your life changed between so when you're living with it, obviously you're binge eating. What? How else would you say that kind of shame that builds up and up and up? Because I guess the more you binge eat, the more you feel ashamed. Oh, totally. So God, yeah. 20 plus years of that. Yeah. So you've it's had like, two years on track, but probably 20 years of living with that. So that's yeah, a lot of stuff. It's a lot. You know, for nearly 30 years, it was, my, it was my normal. And there's this point where the start of the journey, the lean journey was was a revolution in terms of mindset because I started to work on the mindset stuff. But what I've really recognized since the October phone call is that was my true awakening really. And I've probably learned more in that period from October to now than I have in that whole time that I've been on the lean journey. And I think it's about, the thing that I've learned is it's got nothing to do with how much I weigh or what I look like in the mirror. And it's got everything to do with how I really feel about me. Mm. Um, And all of the stuff, as you mentioned, that sits below that iceberg. And this recognition that just because things happen to us in our childhood and we've faced trauma or, you know, whatever it is, it might be that your parents got divorced. It might be that you didn't do great at school. It might be that you got beaten up as a child. You know, we all have these things that happen but they absolutely don't have to define who we are. So, you know, I don't have to look in the mirror and say, my name's Angela and I've been abused. I, I don't, that's not who I am. It's something that's happened to me, but it isn't me. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the big realization I've had over the last six months is that I really need to believe that who I am right now today, regardless of what I weigh or what size clothes I wear or, or what job I do, or how much money I earn, I'm enough just now, just as I am, 
you know, knowing what I know and, and being who I am. And it's such a massive thing that to, to face into and to believe about yourself. And, and even now there are days when I struggle with it. Yeah. You know, it's a constant thing that you have to remind yourself of. I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think a lot of people think, oh, maybe I'll get this therapy or read this book. And then now I believe I'm enough. But no. I always talk about the mindset stuff is it's like another muscle that you have to yeah. work not just there's more basic mindset stuff like habits, but then there's believing in you're okay and you're good enough and all this, that you'll never get to the point. Probably, like you said, it might be 80. You might still not feel enough completely all the time, but you'll just need to be better than you were at 79, totally. at 78, at 77. So how, what would you say to people? Because I think a lot of people listening to this, and we see it within our communities, they really want to believe this, that they're enough. And they're posting like pictures off Instagram with inspirational quotes saying yeah. I am enough but you can kind of tell through conversations that people they're really struggling to actually find some practical way to feel that I mean we try through mindset coaching and through celebrating wins and yeah all these kind of things questioning people's thought processes but for you what has been actual actionable steps and maybe this is what you explain in your book but yeah yeah so there are so there are in part three of the book there are probably 15 different things that that fit together that somebody could follow to help them to to believe that they are enough and I think one of those for me that's been one that I've taught least about online because I I wanted to save it for for the book is the self-love ninja Um, and the self-love ninja is the person who sits on one of my shoulders and battles with the person that sits on my other shoulder which is the wonderful Miss Medler um, my inner critic and Miss Medler can have periods of time where she is incredibly vocal and then there are periods of time where I have her in full control um, and she's relatively silent and in the periods of time where she's massively vocal that's the time when I really need my self-love ninja and I've created this model um of a ninja she's pretty fierce and she's um she's pretty sexy looking as well um, i've seen her in the cat suit yeah she's gorgeous isn't she she's brilliant badass. she's proper badass um and i kind of just i mean this might sound absolutely crazy but i really don't care if it does um because what she does is i i visualize her helping me to to get this miss meddler under control and she's the person that is contradicting everything that Miss Medler says. So, you know, if Miss Medler is saying to me, oh, you look really fat today, or you're pathetic, or don't say anything in this meeting because nobody's going to listen to you, then I bring in Self Love Ninja who basically reframes everything that Miss Medler says to me. So the Self Love Ninja, and you'll see this in the book, has got this weapon called stars. So my son taught me this, right? So oh, cool. <laughs> ninjas have weapons in the shape of stars, which sound really pleasant, don't they? But I reckon Spike. they it's can the spiky do ninja star. the I've spiky ninjas, yeah. ninja stars that they throw. So taking that, that, that weapon, that stars, I developed this acronym um, called stars, which helps you to reframe your thoughts. So when Miss Medler is giving me some jip, Self Love Ninja comes in, she uses the STARS methodology and she helps me reframe what's been said and then allows me to um, to think about it in a more positive light. Yeah. So, you know, rather than I look fat today, I'm like, 
God, I'm a badass and I look amazing. Yeah. And just saying those things to yourself over and over again throughout the day and, and reaffirming positive thoughts over time really just help because your unconscious mind is hearing these positives again and again and again yeah and you start to believe it um and i really do believe that we are what we think so the more we can reframe all the negatives i keep pointing to my shoulder don't i yeah, yeah. no one sits. can see that <laughs> um, the more you reframe the negatives the more you start to believe that you are enough so even if you just say to yourself every day into the mirror so that you can see it I am enough. I believe I am enough. That will that will start to stun you in good stead, I think. Yeah. I really like that because we also teach we teach something called the turnaround process, which is another reframing process because I think a lot of people at the beginning they'll they want to say I'm enough, but they just don't believe it so much that they can say it but it's just hollow. Yes. And you kind of have to see the process so through your stars method, our method where you go through each step of going, how is this actually impacting my life? And then yeah. you look at the opposite thought, which could equally be as true. And you say, how could this impact my life? And you realize yeah. everyone, no matter how successful, how amazing they are, thinks less than positive things about themselves all the time. Everybody, even if you are Tony Robbins or Mel Robbins or you know all of these gurus that we look up to, they all have these days where they look in the mirror and, and don't like themselves. I don't care who they are. Some of them are vulnerable, vulnerable enough to openly admit it. So, you know, you, you talk about Brené Brown, who is like one of my heroes. She writes about some of her misgivings and some of the things that, you know, keep her awake at night or, or she says to herself when she looks in the mirror. Everybody has them. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Um, because we're all human and we all have self-doubt built into us because it's a protective mechanism that that is supposed to keep us from harm mm. which is why Miss Medler for me I wouldn't ever disrespect her because she is ultimately trying to save me from myself um, but there are times when I'll just say to her I don't need your help today I'm going to go with Self Love Ninja yeah you need to know how to choose <laughs> yeah but never ever default. You never ever want to get rid of that inner critic because there will be times where she will stop you from going into situations which you probably don't want to find yourself in. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's definitely benefits like some of the things that have I've had to work on getting a little bit older, thinking about... You're so young. Yeah, I know. I just realised I'm probably going to piss a lot of people <laughs> off with that. Whatever. <laughs> going into my late 20s, you know, approaching oh, 30, approaching the big three. But... Um, I've, I've started to realize like there are benefits to these things which I never used to deal with or, or shame about certain things or like I had a quite a strict upbringing and always like Ben had the same thing both of us had parents that always told us like oh you're not doing good well enough or you only got an A why didn't you get an A star oh. have you not heard my story about my dad oh he was gonna say so that my GCSE results people People love this one. <laughs> um, I was told, because I really wanted to get a car. You've seen I love cars. Yes. Um, He's so got a get... Porsche outside, everybody. Yep. 20 so years nice. old, but I still, <laughs> I'm smitten. Um, so my first car, I really wanted to get just a cheap car and I had no money. So my dad said, well, with your GCSE results, um, if you get an A, I'll give you a hundred pounds. If you get an A star, I'll give you 250 pounds. Oh. But he also said, if you get a B, I'll minus a hundred pounds. Oh. If you get a C, I'll minus 200. If you get a D, I'll minus 300. 
if whatever comes next. Oh my days. So I could have ended up, and he said, if you if you if it comes out negative, you have to pay me. So I was like, I mean, so there's positive and negative to everything because I got all A's and A stars, so I bought my first car, which is great. Nice. But you kind of carry this baggage of then if something's not perfect or you're not good enough, you then think you're not good enough. And Ben had also a very similar upbringing, who was always saying things like oh so his parents oh i got an a and his parents say oh but what did sammy get your friend oh he oh. got an a star and then it just these things create i'd like to think of it like grooves in your mind like a groove they in do. a record or whatever and over and over, if you keep getting it reinforced you eventually believe it and yeah it's a long process to then and i don't know what's the word i was gonna say unbelieve it but slowly uh, erase these yes, things about yourself totally. but totally. i think as as you've heard here i mean i really encourage people to just start and take the next step because even if you lose a bit of weight like we've just talked about, talked about today or even if you do two years of it if you don't deal with the underlying root cause you're going to eventually just go back to where you were yeah if you haven't dealt with it eventually i mean you may not go all the way back but you're going to have to be battling it with it's it. a huge threat it's a huge threat if you if you're carrying it around it will the lid will blow off Mm. And it'll carry on blowing off until you've you've fixed what lies beneath. Yeah, it um, just wears you down and wears. It's like totally. carrying a lead weight right around with you. Yeah, and, and then it, when you get rid get of you. it, that awakening is amazing. And like we said, it is still a journey, and it is still something that you've got to deliberately practice. But there's this thing around believing it until you become it. I think is is hugely relevant in terms of I am enough. If you're sitting here today and you're saying it and you don't believe it, it's fine. Mm. Just keep saying it, just keep saying it, just keep saying it. Because one day it will it will resonate with you and it will mean that you fully believe it. I don't fully believe it, if I'm honest, right now. I don't believe I'm fully enough. Even I think it just has to be louder than the opposite. So yeah. I'm not enough, has to just be less. And once it gets to that yeah. point, then... That's a great way of putting good. it. It's like the swing state. Yeah. Um, I think I'm closer to believing I'm enough than I've ever been. Yeah. Because um, it's I that whole... If you try and strive for perfection, this is one of the things that drives me party with the people we teach because <laughs> I've I've not struggled with this too. I do have a perfectionist tendencies, but a lot of people have extreme perfectionist tendencies, and if they don't feel completely enough, then they go, "Okay, well, this isn't working, so yeah. I'll stop." And I think, as I said earlier, it's about thinking about how can I get slightly better. And if yes. you add slight, if you add one of those steps up every day, then two, three years down the line, you won't believe what changes can happen for you. But the, that core story, though, that you have about your parents saying, well, what yeah, about I was going to say, star? I should explain more That's about That's the my... perfectionist story. Yeah, that exactly. Is. And, and so many people have had that as well. You've got to be really careful with your own children in terms of the way that you position it. Mm. My daughter told me a story the other day about coming home from school. One of her friends had got seven out of eight in a spelling test, and the teacher said to her, you've really let yourself down today because you normally get eight out of eight. And Coral had told me this story and I said to Coral, well, what did you get? And she said, I got seven out of eight. And I said to her, if you'd have got zero out of eight, that would have been fine with me. And she went, oh my God, mommy, why? She said, that would have been rubbish. And I said, no, it wouldn't have been rubbish because you've practiced every single day mm. to make sure that you do well. And that's enough. Mm. Um, and it's those kind of stories that we need to be telling our children. I know you haven't got any yet, but yeah, when yeah, you do... Yet rather than that well why have you not got eight out of eight and because if we can as parents now teach our children the right way they're going to grow up so much better than the way we have yeah for sure i think 
it's a fine line because I mean I appreciate I also appreciate some of these things because it's led me to be driven in business and it's led me to yeah really want to achieve things like the car you talked about earlier that's I set goals like I want to get that and I wanted to move in my girlfriend this year and wanted to get a dog that didn't happen but (laughs) it was I set targets and I can go ahead and achieve them because I've been kind of taught I have to aim for stuff but at the same time as you said with with kids you're so malleable and Mm. so vulnerable that it can easily go the wrong way and I guess the the bit I've learned over the last few months is it's not about what we have or what we do it's about do we have a few moments to stop and smell the flowers and just appreciate joy Mm. and actually joy has got nothing to do with what car we drive or what job we do or how much money we've got it's about those experiences that we have with friends and loved ones that that just mean the world that actually we probably aren't valued enough yeah we get caught up in the rat race yeah, don't we i mean we could totally. go do a whole nother podcast on this but yeah, i was having so a conversation true. with ben the other week because at university we were this will bore some people because it's going to be on the car topic but we had these little cheap sports cars ben's was like a thousand pounds mine was a little bit more but we absolutely loved them and we just did everything in the me and a few other guys and we went on all these trips together and i've had fancy and fancier cars since then and I like achieving things, but I've had no more fun in them yeah, than the cheapest had, ones. Yeah. Probably less fun because there's all this extra stress that comes from, oh, I don't want someone to damage it. And yes. So I think, as you said, it's the, it's the stuff that comes for free yeah, that's the most so important. True. But if you don't first, I think, tackle the root cause of anything that's causing you upset or, well, it's more than upset. If, if something's really ruling your life and... Yeah. wearing you down behind the scenes if you don't tackle that then I think it's going to be really difficult if you've got something in your life that resembles a disorder in any way whether it's drinking too much smoking too much you know being drastically unkind to yourself you know read what you write down some of the posts I get off ladies will things like I've just stood and looked at myself in the mirror and I'm disgusting mm. all of those are signals that there is something not quite right yeah that's a great point Um, and that's the bit to try and understand first what behaviors you're driving at the moment that don't really fit with what normal would be classed as understand those and then try and think what might be causing them and if you dig back far enough you'll uncover that and that's the bit that you've got to yeah and you can't you can't judge yourself like you said it's it's not normal the resulting behaviors but the thing that's probably happened it's probably very normal, but you're probably like binge eating. It's very common. Um, like I was saying to Angela before this, and I've discussed it before on the podcast, so I won't do it to death, but my dad having an affair and saying he's going to leave our family caused me all sorts of issues that I've now pretty much dealt with. But um, uh, what was I going to say? That doesn't matter how significant, as you said, it is for you. If you think, oh, no, this thing's, it might be something you think's weird or if it's, being sexually abused you might think that that's makes me a disgusting person whatever yeah all the things you think about yourself or you think i thought with my thing oh everyone's parents breaks up so why should like and i was 21 so i shouldn't that shouldn't have an effect on me because i'm stronger than that and that's pathetic so i then didn't deal with it but it doesn't matter what it is just try and think back to it because we've had a lot of members lately i've told my story and they say oh i didn't think that maybe my mum leaving at 16 or whatever it is something from a childhood could actually be causing an eating disorder at age 45 yeah, totally <laughs> totally yeah. so to wrap this up what would you what would you say to someone who's 
can relate to this on some level on your journey where would you say to start because i know you've started with the fitness side of things mm. let's say someone listening to this they're not happy with their body but they're also kind of know there's something they're not dealing with where would you recommend they start now from your perspective i think a good way to start is to i mean if you can go and seek help straight away great if you don't feel ready to go and seek help then do some do some self-development first so do some reading um there's loads of great self-help stuff out there the stuff by Brené brown is astounding for getting you to really understand what's going on in your mind and what's perhaps gone on in your past do some of that then try and get some help from from an expert and by an expert i mean you know a therapist or a psychologist that can help you to talk about these things and unpick them because I think you can do what I did and start with the fitness stuff and, and great, but you will reach a point where the lid blows off and you've got to deal with it. So if you can do it the right way around, it's going mm. to be much more simple. Mindset, I think, is is 90% of, of a lean journey if your goal is to get lean. Um, so fixing those things first will just create the best foundation for you then to go on and eat well and, and exercise well and just feel like you're enough going forward so hence why we we teach mindset but we we aren't professional psychologists at trinity but what we do is we try and at least start the development process and then also a lot of what me and ben do is try and help people to see that maybe there is something they need more help with and give them the tools and also kind of the courage to go and go after it because we won't we're not going to be able to help everything but at least I think there's a big part of getting the courage, like you said, it took took you two and a bit years to realise and a big um, second traumatic experience or mm. third, fourth, it's quite a long, lot of them, but <laughs> yeah. another traumatic experience to really point out for you. And again, for me, I was saying to Angela, I had to go to an event that I'd paid X thousand pounds for a men's business event. It wasn't just business, business and sort of life. And because I, I, as they teach on that, it's not just um business knowledge that will hold you back with business just like with fitness it's not just fitness knowledge that hold you back with fitness if you another area of your life is not working then it will stop it working so i I did that that course highlighted that i need to do certain things and then i went and did those so i think that's a great great place to start what book would you recommend by brené brown um you're only allowed one oh god i would say the gifts of imperfection is is one of my favorites i'm gonna have to read that one now it's very good Good for a perfectionist. Yeah, I have to check that one out. <laughs> yeah, you'll like that one. And of course mine, enough. Come Obviously on. your own Ops. book, which I was just going to come <laughs> on to. So first of all, where's the best place for people to find out more about you? Because then they can find where the book is and everything. Um, yep, so you can go on my Instagram page. So um, at coxange78, which is has um, a link to all of my different pages. There's a website, which is www.abiggirlsjourneytolean.co.uk. Um, and that gives you again links to different social media and, and a contact me um, books available on Amazon um, paperback and Kindle edition so you can go and get it from there and they just search enough is that right if you search enough on Angela Cox then it will be there with its beautiful cover um, very colorful it's very coffee table yeah it's My very stylish is. you can yes. leave it out for people to see you probably wouldn't want to leave it in and out in terms of the content you wouldn't want your children reading it but um yeah mm. it looks very pretty <laughs> so yeah go grab yourself a copy of that book please check do. it out angela's journeys impact loads of people and i'm sure it will help you too so that brings us to the end of today's motivation method podcast but before you go we have some important announcements 
Piece one is if you're not currently subscribed on iTunes to the Motivation Method podcast, get yourself subscribed today. Number two, if you're not currently getting access to the daily motivation emails and action guides found at trinitytransformation.co.uk, head on over to trinitytransformation.co.uk and get that done today and we'll start sending those your way. The final piece of this is our Motivation Masterclass Challenges. If you're ready to finally unleash your inner motivation and willpower with a customized action plan and your own personal coach and the support of our Trinity tribe, head on over to trinitytransformation.co.uk today and sign up for our Motivation Masterclass and we'll get you started right away. And last but not least, if you're listening to this show and you're getting value from it, number one, do the things that we talk about here. And number two, you don't pay us to do this. So instead, all we ask of you is to simply share this show with one person who you think it could help today. So this is Rob Burkhead. And this is Ben Hughes. And this has been the Motivation Method Podcast. See you on the next one. (laughs) 